0: Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Let me just start out by saying how privileged I feel to be here this morning. This is great. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here. This is the first time that I've actually had the opportunity to be in the physical presence with God's people, and I'm so grateful. This is unusual setup here. I might uh, hopefully not stumble off the stage here, but, uh, you know, it's taking a little getting used to. But I appreciate your patience. We're all living through these strange times, and you're adapting. You're resilient. You're showing some... Creativity in terms of how to be God's people together. So I just want to encourage you. On a personal note, it feels good to be here because um, I haven't put a tie on since March. (laughs) It felt so normal today. I said to my wife, I said, I feel so normal dressing like this. I know I didn't get the memo. You all look a little bit uh, less (laughs) formal than I do. But it feels good for me to... Do something normal, something that I've done so many times without even thinking about it and taking for granted. It's just good to be here together. Thank you so much. Let me also say a word about uh, Back to God Ministries International. It's the ministry that I work with. These have been such strange times for the entire world. And it seems like God, through his grace, through his sovereignty, through his providence, Media ministry is for such a time as this. So happy to report that our staff, our fellow missionaries here in North America and around the world, we've been safe. So glad to report that. I do have to say that in some places it's been more difficult than others. Say, for example, our Spanish ministry in southern Mexico, in Tabasco, the state of Tabasco. Our ministry leader, Pastor Huascar de la Cruz, he told me just last week, he said he knows more than 200 people who've died from the virus, most of them Presbyterians. It's been very difficult there. But at the same time, Pastor de la Cruz said, we've had a tremendous opportunity to share the good news and the love of Jesus it's taking place there in southern Mexico it's taking place in all of the ministries where we work our ministry has been busier than ever you just have to turn on the television you just have to turn on the radio you just have to look at the internet and you know the bad news that seems to be at every corner of our lives but we have the privilege we have the opportunity at Back to God to be sharing the good news the hope and peace that can be found in Jesus. So this morning, I just want to thank you for your role in our ministry, your partnership, for sharing your gifts and your resources, for your prayers as we reach out during this really strange and difficult time with the hope and peace of Jesus. Thank you so much. Now I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles Uh Pastor Matt said there were some other clips around here. I'm afraid my sermon and notes are going to blow away. <laughs> if, I take, if I lift my Bible up, it's a place weight right at the moment. Things might start flying around. Thank you. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn in your Bibles or open your smartphone to Mark chapter four. And I like to read the story of Jesus calming the storm. That's Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. Jesus calms the storm. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, obey him this is the word of the Lord thank you thank you obviously this morning our story is about a storm Mark uses some of the most vivid language in all of the Gospels to describe this uh, storm. So we're not exactly sure how this all fits in the chronology. Jesus has been teaching. The previous part of chapter 4 is about parables. So he's been teaching. He's been ministering to the crowds. And he's on the side of the Lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples, they get into a boat and they go to the other side. They're going to the region of the Gerasenes. And there's some other boats with them. This a sort of flotilla, a small group of boats. They're traveling at night, which was probably a bit unusual. Usually people would cross the lake during the day, but we see Jesus doing this a couple of times in the Gospels. And then Mark says, a furious, that's a Mark word, a furious squall, he doesn't say storm, a furious squall suddenly came up. And waves start breaking over the boat so that it's nearly swamped, it nearly capsizes. I'm not a meteorologist. I don't really understand weather, but I did a little Google search yesterday and. realize that uh, pretty basically what happens when there's a storm is that there's a low pressure system, whatever that means, which collides with a high pressure system and suddenly you have high winds and storm. Because of where uh, the Sea of Galilee is in Palestine, it's about 100 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea, the water cools the air over the Mediterranean, and then when it comes through the mountain passes and it hits the, the warm, damp, humid air of the lake, there can be sudden, furious squalls, as Mark tells us. And that's apparently what happens on this night must have been a terrible storm. And the disciples, when the water's crashing over the boat, they were terrified. The waves were so big, they thought, surely, they were about to drown. You know, Mark's gospel is full of Teaching, it's full of Jesus preaching, but it's also a very captivating story. Mark is he's just excellent at describing things in such vivid ways. Yet, this simple story teaches us some profound truth about Jesus. It teaches some profound truths for Jesus' disciples, for his followers throughout the ages, and for us here this morning. There's profound teaching about Jesus in this short, simple story, but there's also deep comfort, encouragement, and challenge for us in these strange times. First of all, this story teaches us about Jesus' humanity. Jesus, Mark's gospel affirms, the other gospels affirm, the Apostle Paul states, was just like us in every way. After a period of intense preaching and the parables, and they get into the boat, we can imagine that Jesus was exhausted. He's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been healing the sick, he's been casting out demons. He is exhausted. Raise this, your hand this morning if you've ever felt exhausted. I think you're not telling the truth if you don't raise your hand. It's human to get tired. Jesus got tired, especially after intense periods of of ministry. He's exhausted. He's wiped out. And Mark tells us when the storm comes up, Jesus was in the stern of the boat. I'm not a sailor either, but I looked that up. It's not the bow. That's the front. It's the back of the boat. And Mark gives us this wonderful detail. Jesus is lying, perhaps on a bench, we don't know that, maybe on the floor of the boat, I'm not sure what the word is for floor of boat, but he's somewhere in the back of the boat. And Mark tells us he has a cushion. Doesn't that sort of spark your imagination? What did that cushion look like? What color was it? Mark uses these graphic details to grab our minds. We can picture Jesus in the back of the boat. Maybe he's clutching the cushion and he's deeply asleep because he's exhausted. Just like us, Jesus gets tired, even exhausted. He was just like us in every other way, too. He was born. He grew from a child to an adult. Perhaps he had acne at one point. He needed haircuts. My wife gave me a haircut yesterday. It was getting a bit long. I'm just like Jesus. He needed haircuts, too, although Apparently they wore their hair from the portraits we see. Portraits we see, perhaps a bit longer. But he needed haircuts. He had to cut his nails. He had favorite foods, maybe some lamb dishes or fruits or. He liked desserts, like baklava, that wonderful Middle Eastern pastry made from pistachios and honey and flaky crust. Maybe he loved baklava. He loved desserts. And when he hit his finger with a hammer, it hurt. And when he stubbed a toe, his toe, if it started to bleed, he needed a Band-Aid. He was just like us in every way. I've extended this description of Jesus physically being like us, but he was like us in terms of his emotions as well. We know from the Gospels, we know from the Apostle Paul, he experienced and felt love. He felt contentment, he felt joy, he felt times of frustration, he felt times of fear anxiety, sorrow. We know he felt sorrow. He grieved. He felt anger. The whole gamut, the range of emotions that we feel, Jesus felt as well. He was fully human just as we are. Except there's one qualification I need to make here. Jesus was like us in every physical and emotional way except in one. The Bible teaches so clearly that Jesus was without sin. He had not, as Adam and Eve and the rest of Adam and Eve's descendants, their children have done, in rebelling against God, sinning against God, violating God's commands God's rules God's way that he created us to live in fellowship with him Jesus was without sin And in being reminded of Jesus being without sin we see the second fundamental truth that Mark points out in this story this morning Mark says Jesus he's affirming Jesus is fully human but he's also affirming that Jesus is fully divine he is god himself and we see this in this dramatic terrifying moment that Jesus is God himself. So when they're out on the lake and the low pressure hits the high pressure, the cool air hits the warmer weather, the warmer air, suddenly there's a storm on the lake. The disciples are terrified and it's noteworthy to mention these are not novices. These are not newbies to sailing or whatever it was they were doing. There were fishermen in the bunch. People who made their livelihood using boats, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were terrified. And we can picture in our mind's eye how this works. So Jesus is in the back of the boat. He's sleeping. He must be in a deep sleep. The disciples are terrified. Someone reaches back, and perhaps we 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 can imagine shakes Jesus until he's awake, and then we can sort of picture Jesus maybe sitting up, rubbing his eyes as we do when we wake, totally calm, looking out and saying, in three words, three words, quiet, be still. And suddenly, just as fast as the storm had come up, it was calm. This story points out who Jesus is. Fully human, fully divine. And in this moment, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples, they respond, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. You know, actually, Jesus is asking kind of a rhetorical question here. Certainly there was some growing understanding so that by the end of the gospel, we see this in all four of the gospels, there's a much more solid understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit and reflecting on these experiences. But in a way, you could say there's a rhetorical question here. It's a strategy that is used to, to, to answer a question where the answer is at the very beginning of Mark's gospel. I'm not a great Bible memorizer, but I know Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Do you know that verse? It says, this is the beginning of the gospel of the Messiah, the Son of God. Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. It is God himself. He's affirming, Mark is affirming here in this story that Jesus is God. He's affirming what John says in the opening of his gospel, the so-called prologue. In the beginning was the Word, a reference to Jesus, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Even the wind and the waves obey him because he is God himself. Mark, in this short, simple story, drives home the point that Jesus was fully human, just like us in every way except without sin. Without sin because he was fully divine. He was God himself, fully human and fully divine. Let me ask you here this morning, how does that work? How do you put the divine and the human together so that there's no compromise in one or the other? How does that work? A bit of a rhetorical question here because the early church, they struggled with this question. There were times in the early church where some of the, the early Christians said, He wasn't fully God. He was a superhuman being, not like us, but not fully God himself. There were people who said that, that argued that. At other times in the early church, there were Christians who said, he only seems like he's a human being. He's really a a disguised deity, sort of like an avatar in Hinduism. He's He's not really human. He just seems human. This is a long, complicated story in the early church, much back and forth, some of it downright ugly. But finally, through the scriptures, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church comes to this answer. He is fully divine and fully human. And that answer defies logic. I can't tell you how it works. You're not going to be able to discover how it works. It's a mystery that we as Christians confess. Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Like us in every way, as the author of Hebrews says, he knows our needs. He knows our every needs. He knows our feelings. He knows all what it means to be us who at the same time, the author of Hebrew says, can stand between us and God because he's fully human and fully divine and satisfy God's wrath against human rebellion, against mine and each one of you, your sin. This story affirms that, it's looking forward to that piece of the story where Jesus dies for you and for me on the cross. The only way to the Father because he's fully human and fully divine. Let me close by saying, like the disciples in this story, we all face life storms. We never know how vulnerable we are until we actually encounter a brewing storm or a sudden storm. Maybe these storms are real. Real storms or squalls or other sudden threats. Or maybe they're more like metaphorical, the storms of life, so to speak. A crisis in health, unemployment. As a matter of fact, I think I can say pretty directly We live in a stormy time today. This pandemic is a worldwide storm, unlike most of us have ever seen anything like in our lifetimes. We live in stormy times. You know, when I look out here at the audience this morning, I, I, I can see you okay, but I can't recognize you so well. And I know I have some friends in the audience, uh, Tim and Renee Operly. I don't want to call them out. There's Renee back there in the, in the back. And I'm mentioning Renee because uh, like uh, Renee and Tim and their children, I lived in China for a long time. And so consequently, I speak some Chinese. I'm not going to say whether my Chinese is as good as Renee's is, but uh, I speak some Chinese. And one of the things that uh, I love about Chinese is the wonderful sort of expressions they have in Chinese, the Chinese language. I'm not going to put Renee to the test here this morning, but uh, anyone know the Chinese word for crisis? It's actually two words it's danger. opportunity for the Chinese they put these two concepts together crisis equals danger and opportunity I want to say to you this morning that these strange times that we live in are both a crisis and an opportunity maybe some of you know who the Presbyterian pastor James Boyce is when I was looking at his sermon on this passage he says something like this, there is a thin line between fear and faith. Crises like this one are opportunity for us to grow in our faith. Crises like these make us turn back to the foundation, the bedrock of our faith. They help us to say in more meaningful ways than ever, we are not our own. We belong in body and soul, in life and death, to our faithful Savior who is fully human and fully divine and has paid for all our sins, who protects us from the evil one, who watches over our entire lives, and our world, so that nothing, no storm, can separate us from the love of God. This storm, this crisis, is an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. It's also an opportunity for us to grow in our faithfulness, especially in terms of of sharing the good news of this fully divine and fully human Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I talked about the early church and mentioned the struggles. It was pretty ugly at times. But there's another aspect about the early church that I'm reminded of, and that is they were salt and light in that godless society that they lived in. And how did they show their faithfulness, their love for God? They took care of the widows. They took care of the orphans. They stood out for their love. This storm before us is an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. It's also an opportunity for us as individuals in our neighborhoods, as a church, to show our love. Our love for Jesus and our love for the world started out giving you an example about Huascar de la Cruz I said you know it's been so difficult yet they've had tremendous opportunities in fact at one point the state it's actually technically illegal for Christians to be on the air in Mexico the state of Tabasco asked them to produce worship services that could be broadcast around southern Mexico tremendous opportunity or just last week maybe it was two weeks ago one of our prayer team um, thrusts into the community was to say please share with us your prayer request they do that all the time but they did it on a much larger scale almost immediately they received 800 response they were overwhelmed people writing in about their failing marriages People writing in, asking for prayers for their children, for their economic situations. Maybe they lost a job. Opportunity for us to use media, to share the love of Christ, and to reach out with his love. Story this morning teaches us about two important truths about Jesus. He is one, fully divine, and two, fully human. These truths about Jesus that Mark reveals in this simple story should provide us with great comfort. Our Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, He knows who we are. He knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to be vulnerable, to be afraid. And yet, he is also the Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord over the wind and the waves. At the end of this story, this morning, I want to leave you with a question. How will you deal with the storms of life? They are a crisis and an opportunity. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful day. We confess that you are the maker of heaven and earth. We enjoy your worlds. We don't fully understand it, but we enjoy it, and we give thanks to you. And above all, we give thanks to your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who's like us in every way, except without sin, because... He is your son. He is God Himself. And through your sovereignty and your providence and your wisdom and your mercy and your grace, He died for us. We give you thanks and praise. We ask that your Spirit would work in our hearts so that we too grow in our faith during the difficult storms of life and work in us also to show your love. To the world, wherever we are, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our work, wherever you provide an opportunity. We pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Lord, over the wind and the waves and all of creation, we pray in his name, amen.